Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I'm feeling pukey about Peter and Suki, Emma. And I've got the vibe of sausage surprise and stolen goods. Connor, so what we got coming up this week, Emma? This week we have your usual roundup, of course. We play a bit of Beal on Obiel. Oh, fave! But first... Here's the jingle. You ain't my mother. Yes, I am. My boy, Blimey. Mr. Butcher. 57 was my nan. 57 was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other. The next, rubbing each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night. We just want to say a few thank yous this week. We see we have a few members to our cult, who are yes. very proud members and told the world, which was lovely. So just want to say a big thank you to Annie May, who said she is proud to be part of the cult. She also said she's obsessed with the new jingle, but she did have an Irish man go to her door and say he wasn't impressed. Oh, that's funny, Emma, because... Oh, sorry. You've seen the videos and... <laughs> So you're not impressed. Oh, oh, just had the same angry Irishman at my window, Emma. Oh, hang on. Oh, someone, is someone here? Oh. Oh, she she told me to stay away from her family, but she called me Kathleen. <laughs> so uh, she also says that it was a great episode, and she was laughing from the beginning to end as always. Oh, oh. thank you so much, anime. And another person who sent the lovely message in was Katie Phipps, another long-time listener and ally and cult member of <laughs> E20. <laughs> she is also proud to be part of our cult. And I just want to say a personal thank you from me, Emma, and of course, our, our God, E, also known as Peggy the Mitchell. <laughs> We also have some comments from Gina, who said the bit last week where we talk about Martin's scarf had her dying with laughter. <laughs> it had to be discussed, didn't it? Like, what it was that scarf? That's a crisis I, I, there, Martin. It's a crisis. Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, <laughs> honestly, isn't it? I was expecting it was going to be like one of those red, like kind of tartney played kind of ones, you know, that had like the frills and stuff on them as well. That were like all the rage back in 2008. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I oh, no, I do be. remember them. I'm totally You do, Emma. You do. I do. It's the ones where, you know, like all the like emo guys and stuff yes. and like skater dudes, they were all wearing them, weren't they? Skater dudes. I mean, where am I from? <laughs> Make it sound like I'm from like California, man. Like, <laughs> that was the worst accent as well. I can't do accents, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gina. We love hearing from you. So thank you very much for all your comments on Twitter. And we also got one on Podbean, didn't we? It's Queen C. And Queen C has said, oh, my God, the part about Jack driving his car around the square had me. Um, then they go on to say how positive and funny we are and how much they enjoyed the show. And I was like, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Like, that's just like a really nice... Really nice message to wake up to, rather yeah. than like, COVID is rising in your area. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bit about Jack driving around the square because like, e. why was he, why, why was he? There's so many questions. That's an unsolved mystery of, wow, that. 
lastly, we have a new comment on Apple and it's from Mr. Gadget or one who says, love this podcast. It's not your traditional review type of podcast and that's what makes it so unique. It's never boring and it covers every topic imaginable. That is true. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> every topic Accept, accept the relevant stuff. <laughs> you can you can tell they love the show by the way they talk about it. This kept me laughing through 2020. Emma's laugh is infectious and Connor is hilarious. Keep going, guys. Oh. That's so sweet. It's another week, which means Sharon's got her mortar and pestle back out. And it's time for some tea. I was just about to say, it's about tea. I've wrote yeah. Sharon's got her motor and pestle out. That means one thing tea time! She <laughs> <laughs> should start her own flipping cafe now. Yeah. I mean, Ruby did it last time. Do you remember, like, how she came back and obviously no one was clubbing anymore? So she was like, I'm going to branch out. I'm going to have a, a cafe, but literally serve no, dis- no sort of biscuits, cakes, uh, buns, nothing like that. I'm not going to redevelop anything. I'm not going to make it look bright and cafe like it's just going to be a nightclub and I'll sell cheap espressos. <laughs> I feel like Sharon could do a better job of that because yeah. the Vic's quite light and airy and it's got a working kitchen. She could do a cafe from there. She can do a, a crushing and be like, so what yeah. would you like crushed in yours today? You, oh my oh, God. Okay. Imagine if it was like that dodgy like milkshake shop do you remember the dodgy milkshake shop up, the, up in newcastle basically do you remember like how they used to make their milkshakes by just like smashing up chocolate bars and then just like forcefully sprinkling them in and mixing it in with just like plain plain milkshake <sighs> that and blending it together i was just like that is not a milkshake i never understood the craze of going into the, that milkshake shop and getting like nah. What is it? Loads of different flavours you could have. Yeah. But it, like there was a cornflake one, if I remember. My favourite. Galaxy. Galaxy flavoured milkshake. It's basically just a galaxy bar. Tiny little bits in your milkshake. <laughs> the milkshake's not like smooth and milkshake-like. It's not like a McDonald's milkshake. No, no. It's like ice cream with little galaxy flakes in it. It was awful. Their milkshakes weren't bringing all the boys to the yard. They weren't. I'm sure Sharon's would though. She branched out in the milkshake. She could do that. So she could just ask the person, so what do you want crushed in it? They might say like a galaxy chocolate bar and she goes, yeah. Okay. She'll have a like flavours up on the Yeah. On the board. They pick one, she smashes it into little pieces <laughs> and puts it in. Perfect. I think we've just come up with a new business for her. There we go. I think this should be our next business strategy post lockdown. And you know who would be really good working with her? Cush and Shirley. Yes, and then do you know what else you could do? If she's branching out to cafe-style stuff, you could also have Keegan and Ikra with that business degree come in to help make sandwiches. That, that is a good point. Yes, yeah, say, Sharon, you're missing a treaty I love. Do a ruby. And we love a new business on the square. We do love a new business. Do love a new business. Especially if they're outlandish and ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway... Away from the future and now to the present. Sharon is, as Emma has already said, got a more and pestle out. She's grinding up them pills, making that tea. Nothing like a nice cup of tea with Valium in it, is there, man? <laughs> nothing like, nothing perks me up more than crushed up paracetamol. It's the way um, she says, 
I make a nice cuppa, don't I? I love that. It's proper <laughs> evil, isn't it? And Ian's like, hmm. Yeah, Ian well, loves that special ingredient. I love this. Because before she even gets that tea to him, you just hear, Sharon! <laughs> and he comes out looking like something off of, like, the Osbournes. Just see how He comes out like Ozzy Osbourne. Sharon! Sharon! <laughs> I half expected Kelly Osbourne to come around the corner and then they do a duet of, We're going through changes! Ian is going through a lot of changes right now. He's I like, mean, he is. He's he literally is. the walking dead these days. He is. Like, he comes around the corner like this. Morning. No one's, like, everyone's going, oh, you look ill, but no one's taking, like, a real concern when you think what the man looked like a few months ago. <laughs> he looks like now. He's pale, or incapable of walking in a straight line. <laughs> he can't keep his, like, he's always hunched over now. He looks like a zombie. <laughs> he looks <laughs> like a zombie from the Night of the Living Dead. I just They're love coming it. to get you, Barbara. Like that's like what that's what's like. It's like they're coming to get you, Sharon. I just love it. Then he just comes it. around the corner. Like he constantly gets more and more white and ill. Yeah, like zombie And no one says anything. Like, it's like you say, like even like when Ash and stuff were like, Are you alright, Ian? Do you need a doctor's? They don't like phone an ambulance for anything, considering he had major brain trauma, just like a month ago. You know <laughs> what he needs? Okay. He needs Saint Zoe and Dermot to go, Are you all right, Ian? See, that would have made a world of difference, wouldn't it? It would have. That would have made and and Dermot and um Kieran from Red Walk could have patched him up well. Yeah. <laughs> Andy. You mean... Sorry, yeah, Andy. Yeah, could have <laughs> patched him up well. They could have, but would have took a long time. Well for for Andrew, probably would have took a long time. Can you imagine him doing Ian's like plaster on the back of his head? Don't worry, Sharon, you don't need to go get those pills anymore. I've done He's the job. Dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea that um, <laughs> that Ian has still not figured it out himself. Every time he has a cup of tea, he feels worse. Yes, this is what I think as well. I'm like... Surely you would start to go, oh, why is it whenever I have a cup of tea? I don't feel very well. I think he likes it, Emma. I honestly <laughs> think he is enjoying this because, you know what? He turns around to Sharon, right? Sharon's like, you should go to bed. You're not well. And, like, you know, like, you would expect him to be like, yeah, you're right. I should. Instead, he goes, no, I've got to do this. I've got to get up. I've got to get back to work. And all he needs is his loving wife and a nice cuppa. So you see, does he enjoys it? He knows. He's like, oh, I love that special ingredient. Yeah, oh. he's like, Sharon, add some more in. He's like addicted now. <laughs> then he goes downstairs and he does the classic thing. Something they all done on red water as well. He smashes all the glasses in the Vic. All of them. Smashes all them glasses. Like, if you were in the Vic, like, yeah. even Max and Jack are looking at him like, Jesus, and like, Jack compares him to a cockroach, which I thought was quite funny. And I uh, like everyone compared him to vermin. Yeah, literally, Tuki called him a rat. She was like, "That rat's got ten lives." And then, like Jack called him a cockroach. I'm like, Jesus, they, they have high regards for Ian. Don't they? <laughs> the love Ian on the square, <laughs> really do. <laughs> you know, that's actually a term of endearment. But if we were to use that kind of terminology, I'd be like, "Oh, I love you, you old cockroach." <laughs> And I'll be like, oh, I love you, you little rat. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> I love you, you smelly rat. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Like, he comes down to work. Now, say it was your first time ever going into the Vic. And yes. you're greeted by Ian in the zombie state. Like, <laughs> what would you like? I know, like, that's the thing. You I do a runner. Like walking dead. You'll be like, oh, my God, it's happening. The end of days are here. Like, death himself, his rose. He rides forth and now the dead follow. Look at this person. He looks like a corpse, Emma. He literally looks like a corpse. Pale, pallid. He's, like, collapsed around. It's like you say, I'm fine, Sharon. It's like, Ian, Ian, you surely know there's something not right. If you had major brain trauma, would you be like... Oh, this is nothing. I can always wait another week. What? He's not even suspicious that wherever he is, Sharon is there or making him go back upstairs. <laughs> like, Yeah, I love that. No, you don't need any help. You don't need to go to the doctors. You just sit upstairs, Ian. And I'll make you a nice cuppa, make... remember? I'll make you a nice <laughs> cuppa. She's like, I make a good cuppa, Jonah. <laughs> she gets a little little motor and pestle out from underneath the Vic. What you'll have today, Ian? What would you like in it today? <laughs> I love, I love that this all hinges on Sharon's idea that people are going to believe that Ian slowly poisoned himself and still gets me. <laughs> <laughs> they'll find traces of it in his blood for ages. The people are dating it, they'll be like, yeah, he's got a lot of this in, so it couldn't just be off one night. Oh, Ian thought these were the sweetness. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so he pills the other sweetness. He's been doing it all the time. I didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mate. I just think it's absolutely hysterical. And it's like you say, no one rushes over to him to help him, like, other than, like, Ash that one time that he fell. And then even then, she's kind of like, do you want to call an ambulance, Ian? And then once he says no, that's she's it. Like, she doesn't care. Okay. She doesn't help at all. She's just like... Nah. Dr. Son, she would have made sure no one no one touched him. They stayed in that same position. She would have had their heads the right way. She would have done all of that stuff that you had to do and had the ambulance on their way. That's the thing. If Son's there, it all gets sorted. Sonia knows yeah. what she's doing. She's just like, right, I'm here. I'm going to help. Ash is like, ah, but I do want to go to that party. I don't think Ash is a real doctor. I think she just dresses up as one and goes into that hospital every now and again. Well, before Ian was hit on the head, we said we didn't think Ash worked at the hospital because we never well, seen her. We saw her. We saw her like once, and that was in our first like introductory week. And after that, you always just saw her on the square hanging around. Exactly. Sharon gets him to go upstairs. He goes, "All right, Sharon," <laughs> and crawl back upstairs. <laughs> and <laughs> and. News reaches Kathy, doesn't it, that Ian has taken a fall. It does, it does, and well, she's not happy about it. No. She comes she comes to uh Sharon, doesn't she? She confronts her and is like, You'd be happy if you was dead at one point. She comes around to say that to her. I'm like, Kathy, you have no idea. <laughs> she takes Ian to the doctors because Ian wants to go and she tries to make it out about, like, it's about something else, or <laughs> is he making something out of nothing? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love when she goes with him, and she's, she's like, maybe it's just depression. And then the doctor goes, yeah, it could be. Sorry, the man had a major head trauma a month ago, doctor. That will be on his records. There's no way you would be like, 
right? Let's not do a CT, like a CAT scan. Let's not do any of those things. Let's just say it's depression. Get some blood tests. So Sharon's on the phone to them. Apparently, they're going on their honeymoon. Ah, oh, so you know typical, what? Typical, innit? Middle of a pandemic. Those blood tests, they aren't important. They're going to be away. The man's dying, but they're going to have a holiday. And, you know, they might get them when they come back in about sometime in February. But they can wait. They can wait. It's yeah, can wait. It's not a rush. Not a rush. But Max has heard from Kathy there was no prenup sign. So he's off. He's like, I'm going down to the Vic. I want me money. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. He's like, I'm really concerned about Ian. But what's going to happen to my money? That's the main thing. Oh, Max. And he hears everything. He hears that, strangely, Sharon's just decided to reschedule those really important blood tests. The most bizarre thing happened next. So Max goes upstairs and then it turns on like horror film and the doorknob's going. Yes, what was that? <laughs> Ian's like, ah. And then Max walks in and he's like, why are you sneaking around? Tina's on the loose. Like Tina, is, is Tina the new Grandzilla? She's she's not yeah. scary. She's got like a big massive top hat and a, a big coat of cape. She's like, Ian, I'm waiting for you in the back alley. <laughs> Every time he looks Imagine. around there, she is. <laughs> Every time like, she opens the door, and she goes, here's Tina. Yeah, like, I love that bit. It was like starting off Red Water, the visions, where he was like, <laughs> looking at the door, he's like, <gasps> and his eyes the were wide yeah. The door's rattling as if a poltergeist is in the house. He's like, no, it's Daddy. He's come back. <laughs> and then it opens and it's just Max. I do love that Ian's immediate question isn't, like, what the hell are you doing in my house? You have broken in. It is, why are you sneaking around? Say, I think. Now, this is a <laughs> bit of a, a theory of mine. I think that Max is just pretending to care about the money. I think that Max and Ian have got a secret affair going on. Ever since, ever since before Linda, Max always had one, one person that he desperately needed to see. Every week he had to say him, and he always made the excuse about the money. It's true. It's true. I think really they're in love with each other. Hashtag. I think he's been in the house a long time. Hashtag man, hashtag IMAX. Exactly. Exactly, Emma. Looks like we're getting a, a return of those of that ship. It's finally come back into dock. And I think he was worried that Sharon was going to see that Max had popped upstairs to see him. Yeah. Normally the That's hide, the truth, isn't it? Normally they hide this really well but now he could have been caught he could have been caught having an affair he's a married man and I'd love it because isn't it just hilarious that Max is the one to save the day for Ian like Mm. of all the people like Max was literally strangling him to death like one Christmas and now he's here to save Ian he's like Ian you don't look all right (laughs) what did the doctor say and he was like I'm fine once they get that Tina locked up and then Max is like I think we both know it's not Tina. (laughs) Maybe we look closer to home. There were so many good moments. Like, Ian thinks he's just round for the money. But um, Max is like, so this this honeymoon. And Ian's like, well, honeymoon. And then, have you not noticed that if Sharon looks after you, you get worse? And I wouldn't be accepting a midnight cocoa offer. And I was like, oh. I love that. (laughs) I was like, it's not the cocoa, Max, it's the tea. It's the tea. 
<laughs> and then it's like, have you even slept together yet? But that's the that's the turnaround. Not all the other hundreds yeah, of things no, Max suggests that are hundred percent true, like putting the results back, the honeymoon, the drinks. It's the have you slept together anything? Oh god, no, no I haven't. Oh I haven't. And so Max sows a little bit of doubt into his head, doesn't he, Emma? And then departs like the evil pixie. He's like a little Dickensian devil, just like little more, isn't he? <laughs> he comes around and he's just like, sorry, Mr. Beale, just wanted to deliver a message. Like, he just comes around, delivers a little bit of truth, and Ian starts to question things. So in order to quash these worries, these, these doubts in Ian's head, there's only one thing that could. Sharon? Sharon, can I sleep in your bed tonight? I think if you haven't asked that as like a husband, you're probably not actually married to someone. Like I think if you're having to engage that like question, like can can I sleep with you tonight, my wife? It's probably not working out. And she says no. I love that. No, you're ill. <laughs> no love, no love or compassion. Do you think this is going to be part of um? Max's exit. Well, now, I know this is crazy, but I'm going to give an actual theory, like a real theory, not a jokey theory. What if, you know how we said that Phil was going to be like the kind of patsy mm. who goes down for like all this Ian stuff? What if actually Sharon and Phil frame Max for it? It wouldn't be the first time they've done that either because exactly. Phil was the re- one of the reasons Max went to prison for Lucy as well. Yeah, he bribed the whole jury, didn't he, yeah. and stuff. So, so I think... Yeah. And there's the whole thing where Max keeps keep saying, I can't go back to prison for something I haven't done. And it just seems like he says it a lot. Could it be happening again? And obviously if Sharon finds out that he's told Ian. So then Ian has one question he needs answered. And that is, have you heard from the GP? She says, no. But I'll call them tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh. So Mo is selling pills and stealing eyebrow tint. And, well, Jean's collecting the tablets that she's she's lost and she doesn't know why she's lost them. Well, we do. Sharon stole them. He's just such a little tingly, because I'm sure. Such a little tea leaf. They bump into Tiff and uh, she tells them there's a party going on tonight with her arch nemesis now turned bestie, Dottie. Yeah, can I just say, how quick did that flip and change? Uh Uh-huh. Where did that come from? They barely speak any words to each other for like the entire time that Dottie's been on the square. Suddenly Tiff's like, she's my best friend, what are you talking about? (laughs) Remember that time she chucked us in that bin? That was hilarious. She holds a great party. She knows how to party, Dottie. She knows how to party. I mean, we wouldn't know because we've only ever seen her do one and that was filled with drugs and then got raided. Um, <laughs> what I did love, what I did love is that there was this little bit between the Slaters and, and Tiff and they were kind of like, it was giving us flashbacks to when Tiff lived with the Slaters. Yes. I loved it though because she was like, no, you can't come to the party. It's it's probably not your vibe. Your vibe's more sausage surprise and stolen goods. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that vibe. It probably meshes well with, you know, habitual liar, drug dealing. <laughs> like, 
you know, I think it meshes quite well there, doesn't it? <laughs> Illegal COVID parties. Going to be great. It's going to be great, according to Tiff. So Vinny's on the decks uh, because he's now DJing in people's homes because he just lets himself in. He sets up. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, it's a bit like what you done with Ruby's to get the job. And there's no DIs now to stop these parties. Noise complaints, no more. They're not going to be listening. They don't mean anything. This guy, he's off. He's getting his boat. He's retired. What happens if the neighbours hear a lot of noise and they're not happy because, you know, let's be honest, we're locked in the moment. There's a virus and they're having a party. That DI can't go round now. No one will go round. That party will just continue. Who's going to enforce the COVID rules, Emma? Who's going to hand out all those fines? It won't be steep anymore. No more steep. <laughs> this party, Emma, they may not have Steve, the dodgy DI, but it does have one thing. It has Dotty. And what's Dotty known for, Emma? She's known for being a loner, being a liar, being a bit criminal. Yeah, I don't know why she sort of thinks that, like, lots of people are going to be coming around this party. <laughs> I know, like, you never see her with anyone, so she doesn't even have any friends. Yeah, and then she makes that statement, doesn't she? She goes, oh, I'm inviting all my friends. Who? Well, that'll be one then. <laughs> Tiff. Oh, sorry, all that drug dealer as well, who, you know, nearly killed Bex. And uh, what well, was Bobby not invited? Because we find out, obviously, uh, so she gives the list who's going. Yeah. Huge this. Some of her friends who we know, um, well, it's not none of them. Um, no. You've got Tiff, Keegan, and then she gets a text from Peter, which then spurs Ash on to want to go, even though she's just said she doesn't want to go. So then Ash and Ikra. So that's that's a grand total of let Dotty, Tiff, Keegan, Peter, Ash, Ikra. Oh, yep, definitely that many. Six. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely banging this party. It's going to have all my friends. Oh, sorry. All my friends there. Vinny's on the decks. Seven. Oh, yeah, and Vinny. Can't forget Vinny. Can't forget Vinny. I just thought she might have went, I shall now read out the list of people coming for all to hear. <laughs> and they just went, not applicable. Not applicable. <laughs> not applicable and not applicable. <laughs> just has like non-existent friends that she's inviting. Come on in, my ghost friends. Come on in. Moe's getting eyebrows tinted ready, isn't she? E. E. God. <laughs> do, you know like? do you know what American Pie, that film? You know the dad, how he's got those really bushy eyebrows? Yes, he does. That's what she looked like. I honestly was like, oh my God, she's going for American Pie. You have just helped me there. I spent a whole film the other week going, <laughs> what do I know him from? What do I know? <laughs> I, I still haven't figured out. Now I know. Thank you. That 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 was bugging me. You're welcome. We are here to serve. That is the purpose of all us E20ers. So, at first, Jean doesn't want to join Mo in her eyebrow disaster, but Mo shows her they will fade. They will fade, Jean. So, come on. You get your eyebrows done. And Jean goes along with it, isn't she? She's got to look good for this party. Speaking of which, we're back to the Vic, where Ian takes a bit of a tumble in front of Ash, who, she reminds everyone, is not only a doctor, 
she's also got a shift tomorrow. That's why she can't be at that party, <laughs> except for when Peter was mentioned, and then she decided she's suddenly not doing that shift anymore, and she can go to this party. Yes. Even though she's in a relationship with Ikra. Ian, are you all right? Would you like me to call an ambulance? Wow, all that <laughs> medical training, everything. All those years of medical school really paid off there. Really paid off there. Didn't even help the man up. Honestly, she's literally... I was like, is she going to get a torch out? Oh, yes. Torch out? Like, magic torch. Ian, you all right? And also, let's be honest here, right? Ian's been walking around like the walking dead for weeks now. Creeping more like creeping. It's just so funny. I'm sorry. She's in his dressing gown just creeping. Shuffling around the place. <laughs> and um, Sonia threw him out. <laughs> and then Ash is just like, you sure you're okay, Ian? After she was actually looking after him in the hospital, may I add. Doesn't even question anything. Just lets him go back upstairs and then just goes, all right. Great, I got that part. I know it's like she's forgotten that he had major brain trauma. <laughs> it's like she's forgotten that. You know what she's like? It's touch and go. It's touch and go. 50 50. She's, now she's like, Are you all right, Ian? Do you want a bandage? Mm, I'm a bit busy, so I'll call you an ambulance, but I'm going to have to go to this party. I mean, your son's so, glad there. She, so glad she's following the Hippocratic Oath. So since Dottie is having a party, Sharon thinks this is the time. Text standard olive branch to Dottie after, oh, you know, threatening to stab her with broken bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm sure a box of wine will do that. A box of champagne. Why did uh, Dottie think we were in, like, the early 2000s, end of the, the 90s, when she said, see you, wouldn't want to be you? Oh, my God. I was like, is she, like, five years old? I couldn't. I can't I can't even with that. I was just like... So, before the party, we have Jean attending her um, her doctor's appointment with her eyebrow tint on. She puts some sunglasses on. And Mo has a little reminder for it. If she bags herself a, a Clooney, bring them to the party. But remember... They're not five foot five. They're not getting on that ride. <laughs> Tiff is just watching on, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think Tiff was literally horrified at the idea that they were coming to this party, which was annoying for me because when they turned up at the party, right? So we had the total of seven people there. Yeah, and then them two arrived, Jean and Mo. And that's when the party started. They started dancing. And they started having a good time. The rest of them were just standing there. None that's of, what makes me laugh. None of them were dancing. So much. Ash comes around the corner looking half cut. The party's here! With her, like, bottle of champers or bottle of wine. And then goes and to then the kitchen. the kitchen. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jean and Mo come running in. They're like... Get your clothes up. Let's get dancing. Like that sort of thing, aren't they? They're all like giving it their best go. Yeah. Where, where's all the, the, the youth of today? Hey, the they just don't today? know. <laughs> they just don't know. Back in 1882, me and Emma used to do an old jig, an old jig round the room to a classic. Oh, no. No, the rattling bark. We'll down put, in the valley. Put the lantern down, get in the middle, and you would just dance around the lantern. 
dance around your lands. Fun times, time. those lovely times. I love, right, that the party started. Where did, firstly, actually, before I carry on there, where did Dottie put all the furniture? I thought that as well. It was like a scene of, like, you know, in, like, all those, like, home decoration things where, like, they just come in and just throw all the stuff out so they can... <laughs> Like, you know, get the room empty. You're like, flipping heck, they just don't give, <laughs> give a monkeys about the stuff. Where did all the furniture go here? Like, can you imagine Dottie just, like, lifting up, like, a massive, like, chair or something over her head and just carry it out the door? I've got so many questions. Did they go and put them, like, outside in, like, a skip? <laughs> like, you know, on a good old 60-minute makeover. Remember that show? Or did they do what the what we thought the Panazars done that time, where they had, you know... When you watch those American films and mm. in the um, halls of residence in the colleges, they'll put the bed up on the wall and the bitch for oh everything. Oh, my God, yes. Down. Was it like that? Did all of Dot's stuff go behind the walls? Maybe it is. Maybe it's like fold away. Yeah, it's all folded. <laughs> you just like flip it, flip the couch over, it just goes under the floor. Flip the chair over, it just goes under the floor. Like the wall, they just turn the tally, that goes round. Yeah, bang, bang. Bob's your uncle, whole room's empty. It didn't look like a little dance hall, didn't it? Uh-huh. So, can you imagine? She was like, strip this carpet now. Come on, get this carpet up as well. Let's get this carpet up. We're going to go all nice boards. We're going to go boards to just redecorating Dot's house. <laughs> and I want the uh, lights put around there. Yeah, if you could have those multicoloured, that would be great. And <laughs> if I had a spotlight about there. Can I just, um, just talk about uh, Ash as well? Oh, yeah. Since we mentioned her staggering in, already half cut, despite being on shift tomorrow, working with people who potentially have serious ailments or um, life-threatening situations. So just keep that in mind, guys, for the rest of this party. <laughs> Wouldn't want Ash working on us. Let's just say that. Wouldn't want Ash working on us the next day. So, Ash, rightly so, is confronted by Ikra, who's like, where have you been? And her response is to basically just go, oh, well, I've just been celebrating. You know, it's a birthday. It's a party. Like, she's like, that isn't sure. And Who's then I'm like, birthday? I was thinking that too. I was confused on that too. Who was she celebrating with beforehand? Maybe got cut. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, she's half cut. So, like, honestly, it was so weird. And then... She's like, um, as soon as Pia comes round the corner, she's like instantly like jumping on him. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, Peter's here, yay! Meanwhile, our actual girlfriend, who she said she loved, like what, three or four months ago, is just stood in the hallway feeling like rubbish. I just have to say this right now. Ash is getting on my last nerve. And mine. I'm just going to say it now. I liked her at the beginning. I thought, yes, we've got a, another doctor. We've got, you know, she's she's not like just another random extra. She's in a lot of people's stories. She's got, you know, skills. She like she was interesting. Well, now she's just coming across as like really nasty. Justice and, for Ikra. <laughs> justice for flipping Ikra. <laughs> and I'm not being funny. When did Peter become the life and soul of the party that you run in and go, yes? Peter's I mean, here. come on. <laughs> Peter used to dress like an old man. <laughs> Peter used to dress like a little old man. You know, he used to love his cardies and stuff, didn't he? Do you remember? Oh, oh, oh do you remember those days? Cardies and stuff. I loved it, right? Because they say that the party is absolutely dead. 
which it is. It absolutely I mean, it is. is. They're on... So will all they be if they get COVID? <laughs> They're onto something there. But they decide, oh, we'll go to the call centre. With... Bear in mind, there's only like seven or eight of them there. They've then half that and there's only four of them now going over at the call centre. So how is the call centre going to be a better party? Because it's a call centre, Emma. It's going to be popping. <laughs> <laughs> when that phone rings, we do a jig. Oh, they're all going to be yes. ringing. <laughs> ring, ring. Yeah, my favourite tune. Yes, they're playing my song. <laughs> It's so true. She's like, this place is dead. Come on, Peter. Come on, Keegan. Let's go to the call centre. Right, Jesus, Ash. Do you think in the call centre they just turn the lights on and off to be a party? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just get their, like, torches on their phones and just start, like, you know, like, chucking them round and things, making it look like they're, like, uh, what's those, like, luminous stick things? Yeah. Raving away in the dark. I can imagine Suki on the door putting their um, stamps on. Yeah, yeah, five pound, please. We'd get in for th- we'd get in for three. You know we would. Oh, we would. We were always on the we guest list. So all of them are off to party at the call centre. They love the sound of the ringing. Woo! The call centre bit where Ash is like, "We're off. Uh, I'll just give you a call tomorrow." Where the hell are you going to be staying, Ash? Oh yeah. I thought you live with Ikra. She just takes this guy who she clearly fancies and goes off to like the call center. And if, even if she doesn't, even if Ikra doesn't think that Ash fancies Peter, she knows Peter fancies Ash. So why would it be just so chill for you to be like, right, Celia, see you tomorrow. I'm going off with Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice girlfriend. I'm not even joking. If she was my girlfriend, she'd be dumped. She'd be dumped in that hallway. I'd go, tell you what, love, you don't need to call me tomorrow. You don't need to call me anytime because you're finished. Get out me flipping house. <laughs> so she has some words with Jean, doesn't she? And so does Dottie. So Jean's telling Ikra that, you know, you've got to live in the present because she just wanted to live in the now. She's taken all of Daniel's advice. So, and she doesn't want to hear any of the news. Yeah, like it, she doesn't want to know the, the biopsy results or anything. She doesn't, yeah. she doesn't want to find out what it is that she's felt again. So she's living every day as it comes and like not to think of the future um, and not to worry. And that, you know, it was nice for someone to actually sit down and chat to Ikra. Do you know what it was? Because the it rest actually... of them, the rest of them didn't. She was just sat in the corner. That was what was so mean. I really feel sorry for Ikra at the minute, right? Because Ash is just treating her like garbage mm-hmm. and no one's saying anything about it. No, no one's trying to like be there for her. And then Dottie has some words with Jean. And uh, Jean says, whoever it was, just stick that olive branch. And that's what she does. (laughs) Do you know, I actually enjoyed Dottie more in this, like, this week than I have for quite a while. Ever since she started doing the whole, I'm going to blackmail you for the archers. Like, that bit just did not do anything for me. But this bit where she was like, you can stick your olive branch, uh, you know, like, taking on Jean's, like, words of advice and... And loosen it up a bit. I feel like Dottie is almost too hard. Yeah. Too hard-faced and, like, not welcoming to other people. So then she doesn't have anyone around her to help create more stories. It was nice to see Jean there and being like, 
you know, he has some advice from an older an older woman and like someone who's probably been where you've been more than once. Like it was nice. It was refreshing to see Dottie loosen up a bit and yeah. soften. And have that extra layer to her personality. Yes. That's what it that's what we need. Because even the hardest characters in this show, even the hardest face characters, Shirley, Phil, like and obviously down the line, like Sharon and other people like that, like even they for all their hardness on the outside and in, in the way that they approach a lot of situations, a lot of them do show moments of real vulnerability. And I think that's what I've been missing for Dottie. So saying this was a bit like, oh, okay, that's a bit more refreshing. That's a bit more. Meanwhile, Ash is just on my blacklist now. She's, she's just, that's it. She's for the kibosh. She's on my blacklist. That's it. That's it. She's not as high as Ruby. But she's on me. She's on that way. She's on that way, Emma. Me too. I mean, especially when Peter basically just openly asks Ash. Oh, I know. What his chances? Peter Beale, right? Peter Beale. I'm, I'm, he's becoming the next Doc Martin. I swear to God. <laughs> I used to love this man, and now I'm like, right, this week I'm going to flip and tear him a new one. Right. Um, Get those sleeves up. I have. <laughs> I am. Honestly, Peter Beale, right? Only a few weeks ago got news that his child that's right his child is homeless now because of a fire well what are you gonna do peter everything and anything does nothing and then just forgets about the whole thing goes partying and continuously tries to pursue people who are already in relationships this this to me it's just weird because we know what Peter's been like all these years and now suddenly it's yes. this womanizer who has every single woman on the square and plays them all off against each other. Yeah, I know, I can't, I can't, I can't And takes them out of their relationships that they're already in and that that just wasn't Peter. Peter was quite loyal and faithful to Lauren. That's what I always thought. Other than Lauren and Lola, name me someone who Peter treated as a girlfriend. Or like a sexual partner or someone who we really, really desired. There's there's no one other than them too. To say that that's the same man who we currently have is insane. Yes, I know he's young. But the point is, is that whilst he's a young man, he was different when he was on the square. He was still a young man then and was acting like, you know, a normal, responsible human being who, who loved people, cared for people deeply. He didn't just have one night stands, like strings of them. Mm-hmm. That's Ben that you're thinking of. That's Ben Mitchell style, isn't it? Like where he's like, yeah, just just got lucky last night, mum. That's not Peter. It's very perplexing because one minute he's like, I've got to do everything for Lauren. Got to do everything for Lauren. Next minute, I really want to sleep with Ash and break up her relationship with Ikra. Why would you pursue someone, right, who's in a relationship? This is the second time he's done that where he knows that the person he's pursuing is in a relationship or is is kind of in a tough spot in that relationship and he's trying to worm his way in. It's like he prefers that as well. He always likes Mm. the ones in the relationships now that he has that challenge and he quite likes it because he said, well, he says it. He says he likes a challenge because he even claims he could have pulled Mo back in the day. Sorry, Peter. would have destroyed him. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just think... There's something not quite right with Peter. I don't know if it's because he just feels like emasculated and talentless and like, you know, purposeless because he's got like no job and things and and 
no one really treats him with any respect. I don't know if it's because of that that he's now acting out like this. Because to me, it's just a different Peter. It's not the Peter who went to New Zealand with the love of his life, Lauren. No, not at all. And child, he keeps forgetting he's got that. Just totally for What kind of father are you, Peter? Like, what kind of father? I thought you were going to be better than Ian. I thought you were going to be better than Ian. As far as I'm concerned, you're a lot worse than what Ian was when he was your age. As far as we know, he doesn't even, like, call or Skype Lauren and Louis. He's too busy pursuing people who he knows is going to lead to to more chaos and strife. Because, like, who would... He's friends with, like, or at least friendly with Ikra and Ash. So he knows fine well if he slept with Ash what it would do. And yet he's just willfully doing it. It's awful. It's awful. It gets... um... It gets a whole lot worse. I can't. Emma um, is going to struggle with this part because just as the party's getting started in the call centre, Emma, well, someone's decided to gay crash this party and it's none other than the OG gangster mum, the old mob boss herself, Suki Panazar. She tells everyone, doesn't she? She goes, clear out. The lot of you. I loved it. It was very, very EastEnders. I was like... Yeah, as soon as I heard the lot of you, I was like... The lot of you. Very EastEnders. Peter drops something, doesn't he? Something very important. Well, actually, it is. It's his wallet. I guess he's all of his cards and his money and... Oh, no, that's not the important stuff, Emma. He's got no money or anything in that wallet. Only one thing's important in that wallet. And that's a condom. Because what, Emma? Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. I was like, are we certainly going to like sex ed now with Peter? <laughs> Suki's impressed, isn't she? She's impressed by Peter's preparedness. She's like, so you fancy my daughter, do you? And then he proceeds to tell her yes, but that he doesn't think he's got a chance with her. Peter, again, coming back to the point, she's in a relationship. Leave her be. And then he says he knows where Ash gets a, a good looks from. And her mouth. And at this point, at this point, Suki then asks if he wants to see how well she uses it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, and all that's of it. The see you later. Lovely to talk to you this week. Bye. Emma <laughs> Stephen. It'll just be me for this section. <laughs> A nice solo, solo combo. Um, <laughs> I just love this part because straight after this, right, literally 24 hours later, every article was porn enders. Disgusting. Disgusting. I was saying the other week when it obviously happened and it was so funny because Connor texted and he was ill the next day and I was like, yeah, it was that scene, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, obviously, at the moment, with social distancing, they wouldn't be able to, like, show you anything happening. So yeah. they're just trying to convey it in some way, and they've obviously took it to that. I did feel like Where? I needed the porn music to start playing, though. Bow, no, chicka, the, wow, like, wow. Yeah, I felt like I needed to be bow, chicka, wow, wow. And Pia's just like, yes, Mrs. Robinson. No, Mrs. Robinson. Puts a final nail in Peter's coffin for me. Because to me, it just says this man... He has no morals, no respect for women, and um, no self-respect either. 
He's in because... it for one thing and one thing only. Yeah. Yes, he is. And can I just say, again, Lauren's house burnt down, Peter. What are you going to do? Everything Where is anything. Lauren living? We need to know. <laughs> Lauren's just homeless now. <laughs> She's living on the beach somewhere in New Zealand. <laughs> She's running a kiwi farm. Like, <laughs> like, he is terrible. He is actually the worst parent. I'm going to say that, right? I am going to say that. He is the worst parent on the square. And that includes Suki. So that's saying everything, isn't it? Meanwhile, thankfully at the party, we get a lovely scene to to cleanse our eyes after that. <laughs> it really was. I needed that scene with Jean. <laughs> Jean just dancing the night away, having a lovely time, living her best life, singing. It's like watching me and you on the dance floor. <laughs> oh, it was, wasn't it? We would so be like her. We'd be like her her more <laughs> I just have to say it was lovely to see Jean kind of embracing the now it's something that I struggle with because it was like what well, that doctor was saying you know worry only spoils mm. like today not tomorrow do you know what I mean like so it was nice to see Jean like embrace obviously don't go out and party and everything guys COVID's out there at the minute but like when we can live our lives again live it to the fullest and always remember how precious life is mm. That was the nice message that Jean was kind of yeah, delivering. Yeah, it was nice that like, you can't predict what's going to happen. So mm. just live now and s- stop focusing on everything else. Ooh. And coming from Jean, I'm going to listen. <laughs> um, yeah, we all are. And can I just say as well, Jean also deserves to like just enjoy her life as well. Like, you know, people were saying that she should be, you know, just looking after herself and enjoying herself now rather than worrying. And I think... That is such an important message because Jean just basically does try to, like, look after everyone. I know obviously she struggles and sometimes doesn't end up being the one looked after, but she does always try to be, like, a mother to Stacey, a surrogate mother to Kat. Like, she does try her best a lot of the time. And I feel like she deserves a bit of, like, just her doing what she wants to do. What makes her happy. And that's what she was like when she was with Daniel as well. She she was really living in the now. She was just doing everything that he, he, he told her to just be her true self, tell her truth. And, and she was, I remember when she was going around, just telling everyone what she thought of them. Love that. Love that. <laughs> Your hair's never going to grow back. <laughs> remember the Keanu. <laughs> the next day has come along and... Um, oh... Peter bumps into Ash and Suki. So she asks, where you, where were you last night? And this is what got me. Um, why did no one notice Peter didn't leave the call centre? And why did no one go back into... Luckily. Uh, <laughs> God oh, knows God. what they would have saw. Um, <laughs> but like, no one went back to go, Peter, come on. Or in the words of Eileen from Redwater, Peter... <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you make a very good point there, Emma. We would never just leave a friend. If we were leaving a place, we would never leave someone in that place. We'd wait for them. Do you know what I mean? If they went, oh, sorry, I've just got to grab my wallet. I've dropped it. We wouldn't be like, right, see you later. Just toddle off. And Ash especially, because she made out. First, he was the life and soul of the party. She was going there to see him mainly. And... Mm. It was her mum's, well, it's her family's call centre. She just carries on. 
yeah. just leave Peter in there. It's all right. We'll just lock him in for the night. Yeah, she just closes up. <laughs> Puts the shutters down. <laughs> Enjoy, ma'am. Bye. <laughs> I also love that she doesn't question why Suki is just staying there as well. It's no. very late. Why is Suki just hanging around the call centre? And she totally accepts the next day when she's like, oh, and did you get lucky last night? And he's like, no, I stayed with some mates. Meaning? In the call centre. Stayed with your man in the call centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stayed with me mates to live under the floor. <laughs> and then what I love about this is this, may I remind everyone, this is the day that Ash said she had a shift on, right? She had a shift. So we can all imagine what that shift is. It's A&A, it's hospital, very busy, lots of people coming in needing major surgeries. But she is looking like rough, real rough, like very rough. Like, if she looks at a big breakfast, she's going to hurl her stomach contents up rough. So, I'm a bit concerned, because if she goes to work, she's going to be very drunk and hungover. Yeah. But she's too busy worrying about her relationship. Because that's literally what she does. Peter's like, you might want to go after Ikra, because she's just stormed off and looked quite upset. And Ash is like, if you say so. Right. Oh yeah, uh, it's only your girlfriend. Uh, so Suki's Suki's around, and well, the drinks are on her for Peter. Make that a large one and enjoy it because she did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just made me think: Is this now Pierre's new allowance? It is. Is she his sugar mama, and is she going to be paying him in coffees <laughs> like Americanos? <laughs> That'll be a large Americano for my main man. He needs another way to get his money, so... Two yeah. lumps for my two humps. <laughs> 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 Just drop some sugar cubes in. My humps, my humps, my, my humps, my humps. <laughs> oh, my God. What if, like, Suki's just stood outside and she goes, my Americano brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> They're like, it's better than it's yours. Better than yours. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Yes, I can teach you. But, but I, I have, have to, to charge. charge. I wonder if he's actually trading those Americanos for cash. So he's like, going outside going, here you go. That's, uh, that'll be £2, please. He's got his uh, own new stall where he goes and sells all the Americanos. Suki gets yeah, them. Yeah, all the Americanos and Suki buys them. <laughs> I would live for the for the idea that she like gives him like money for a business. Like, you know, he becomes her pet. That would be everything, wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, Grey's round, so that means one thing. Tina's still missing and he's going to do everything in his power not to help. But he does that anyway, because whenever he's doing a job, he never really helps people, does he? He always finds it an inconvenience. Uh, And he's finding this one, so he just gets up and leaves. My favourite thing about this entire meeting is that it exposed something that I didn't know existed, which is... Linda basically thinks that Tina's guilty. <laughs> She's like, innocent people don't do runners. <laughs> well, they do if they're being falsely incriminated, Linda. Like, <laughs> nice vote of confidence from your from your sister-in-law there, or like your niece-in-law. I also just absolutely love how rubbish Gray is at pretending he didn't kill Tina. Oh, so Literally. bad. Literally. He is so bad. 
How bad was that text message? It's exactly it, what I said. I said it would make her more yeah. supp- like make Shirley more suspicious because it's not how she texts. Or it's, just a bit where he's like, it's we oh, literally just, said, just if, wait, give her a few minutes, give her a few minutes, just a few, and if if not, I'm off. Then in the corner, he's texting. <laughs> I loved it because the text was like, it was me. I did it. Sorry. <laughs> like, that's just not... Yeah, that's how confessed to beating me in and running away. <laughs> and lying to your family. It was me. God, just got us. Yes, sounds just like Tina. Just sounds... I mean, if he texts like something like, Rawr! then then maybe we would have believed that. <laughs> or if he texts, it's mixed pop. It's mixed pop. <laughs> Then maybe we would have believed it. But I'm with Shirl. I'm a bit, bit curious about that text. He makes it even more obvious it was him when he goes to it. Just ignore it. That's evidence. That's evidence now. That'll get her, no, it's not. That'll get her done. So you're going to have to keep quiet on that and we're going to drop it all. That's it. Done. Move on. Move on with your life, Shirley. Your sister's missing. Move on. Is it maybe because if she took that to the police or anything, or the police ever found out, they could geolocate where that came from, roughly. Yes. And they would be able to work out that it came from Albert Square or Walford, <laughs> which obviously would be quite strange since Tina's done a runner. Surely Tina would have had a uh, like a password on her phone or, you know, she clearly didn't have touch ID or face ID because he, he got in, but like not even a password. I do love the fact that Everyone's phones are always unlocked. Always. Like, I have, just face, insane. I have face ID, so if Grey picked up the phone, he, he wouldn't just get in. You'd have to wear, like, a wig and everything. Grey's <laughs> <laughs> wearing your makeup. Come on, come on. He <laughs> does his hair into a ponytail to try and be Tina. Come on. Oh, it's no good. Um, what else does she wear? That fluffy jacket. I'll stick that on as well. She would have had that on. <laughs> she always had the fluffy jacket. <laughs> yeah, but, of course, yeah. not, like, of course, it has his whole face re-sculpted just so he can unlock <laughs> Tina's phone. Goes back to the square and Shirley's like, why do you look like Tina? Oh, I just like the look. Just like the look. Try something new. Try something new. <laughs> <laughs> so Frankie is um, confronting Katie about um, everything that's gone on. So... Uh, she decides to send her to Australia. Listen, I'm not the monster you think I am, Frankie. But you're going to Australia, so you can't tell anyone I am a monster. <laughs> and then the police arrive, and she later says to um, Mick that the police arrived and did he say anything? But when the police arrived at the door, they were shouting for Frankie, who had just been arrested the night previous. So... Why did you think it was for her if they were shouting for Frankie? Yeah, I was very confused by that as well. Because okay, good. She, she literally bailed Frankie out. Yeah. She got Frankie out of that situation because she called her. So why would she be shocked? Unless Frankie didn't tell Katie why she was in the police station. But then that seems really odd. Yeah, but if she's been bailed out, would they need to talk to her again? Yeah, very confused. But <laughs> as Linda said, innocent people do not run. No. They don't do runners, according to our Linda. So what does Katie do? Well, the minute she hears those knocking at the door and sees those red and blue lights, she's off. She's off. She's out the back door. She goes over to see Mick and she's telling him that 
what they had was special and like if he hasn't called the police like he can't because this will ruin her life pretty yeah. much and and she's gonna tell the police exactly what he done to her which he's like well that's fine you tell them just that i did love that scene because it showed just how depraved katie is and just how manipulative she is still i mean she even says to him who's gonna think a jack the lad um got groomed by me a jack the lad care home kid got groomed by me well katie i will and everyone listening will because you are literally the most wickedest and like completely guilty human being on the planet and there is something in this country which is very good it's called it's called the police and they investigate crimes and accusations so guess what they might believe them too and what i loved what I loved about this scene is she flits from being threatening mm. to then trying to cry and do it like, please, don't do it. It'll yeah. ruin my life. It'll ruin everyone's lives. Because she goes from I, like, I'll tell them this. I'll tell them what you've done to me. Then she's like, you can't make what we had was special. This will ruin yes. my life. And you're like, it's just so quick. She's so manipulative. That's what she, she's trying to coerce them, control yeah. them. But... This time, it won't work. He's not a little boy anymore. And her lies have now caught up with her. She is not going to be able to convince him. Not this time. And it's like you said, Emma. He's like, go on. Tell everyone. Tell the whole world. I don't care. And what neither of them know is Shirley's just walked in and heard everything. And Mick confronts Katie and is saying, I was 12 Shirley walks in. And he has the whole thing. She's heard everything. Katie's face. I mean, I don't advocate, like, you know, instilling terror into people, but it was a treat to see her actually shaken to her core for the first time outside of Mick and her. Another person, an adult, knows about what she did. And it was just perfect. The fear on Katie's face. And then I love when she's like, she says that little runner and she like drags that chair. <laughs> she like drags the chairs if that's going to stop Shirley from following her. She's like, but my best bit, she's running away, right? She's, well, I say running, she's kind of hobbling away on her high heels. And um, she's turning, she's like this, she's like, get away from me. He's lying. Lying about what? Everything that was said was said by you. Uh-huh, I was like, you, you said it. Yeah, what is lies apparently, Katie? Because is it that you were accusing Mick of rape one minute, so is that a lie? Or is it the part where you said you had something special with Mick? Hmm. I think you've, uh, I think you've shot yourself in the foot, yeah, dear. And so Shirley, she does what we've all been waiting for someone to do. I don't advocate violence against anyone, but... <laughs> Tell you what, it felt good, didn't it? Seeing her get punched in the face. So Shirley picks up the phone and she she goes to report this. Um, but after speaking to Linda, who's chatted it through with Mick, Mick doesn't want anyone to know this. He wants to do this in his own time. He's not ready. 
And so she goes over, sees Shirley, and she's like, you just can't report it. You can't do it. And Shirley's like, oh, I'll go do. I wasn't there for him at the time. I'm there for him now. And I want to report this. Um, but after speaking with Linda and realising what this would do to Mick and how this isn't what Mick wants, and he will do it, but it, it's just not right now, yeah. uh, she decides to just say what she done to Katie. Obviously, Katie isn't going to press any charges. or Yes! Because <laughs> everything will come out. So Shirley gets away scot-free with punching her in the face and kicking her. Oh, it's just a bit of banter between mates. Maybe yeah. that's what she was saying. <laughs> Eve, what did Shirley say? No, Shirley would never. <laughs> She's always doing this. Meanwhile, Kate's packing her bags for Australia. <laughs> and what I loved about that scene between Linda and Shirley is that Linda says, this isn't about you. It's not about me. It's about Mick. So go and be there for him. And I loved it because then she goes over, doesn't she, Shirley? And she delivers like some of the most... Powerful lines, I think. Oh, I love this scene. It was so well done. Especially when she was crying. Like, yeah. How, like, it felt, it felt so real. Linda Henry's very good when it comes to these, like, emotional moments. Yeah. Like, in Shirley's life. And Linda Henry sells, like, this kind of broken and hard, out of shell, but also very damaged person. She does that really, really well. And like you feel it in every sort of like scene with her where she's she's talking about something more sensitive or something more emotional. Yeah. And I think Linda Henry and Gillian Wright, who plays Jean, they were fantastic this week. This they week. were like just something else, weren't they? Yeah. Like, like Oscar winning. Yeah. To me. Like they always are just so powerful in everything they mm-hmm. do. I just love them. What I liked about Shirley is you got to see why she is a lot of the way she is. Mm. And that's that she constantly devalues herself, thinks that she's a failure and, and does genuinely put a lot more burden on herself. Mick doesn't resent Shirley as much as what Shirley resents herself. I think that was an important part because like he says, it's better late than never mum. Like, you know, just be there for me when I need you to be there. And then he says that he loves her. And I was like, that's a very powerful moment because she did sort of let him down. She did let him down in his youth. So for him to be able to say that he loves her and not to kind of beat herself up, like it's it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's Katie's fault. That was very powerful as well. Like mm. I was like, I think Shirley's been waiting most of her life to hear. Oh, definitely. Because she's always felt like, because obviously what we find out, like, Mick always thought that Stan and Shirley were his parents. And like ever since that storyline, really, you've always got that vibe that Shirley doesn't feel like she's ever done enough for Mick. Yeah. And I think that was that moment there where Mick was like, why not now? And none of this is your fault. And there was that moment where I feel like, it's not like that was resolved or anything, but it's the first time they've really both sat down and finally talked about... When the effects. She, yeah, when she wasn't around when he was younger. I think it was very in with Jean's message as well about like living in the now and yeah. not not like worrying about the future, but also not concerning yourself overly about the past, not let the past define us. Mm. And like that was like a again another powerful message. Like they were killing it this week, EastEnders. So the next day comes and um Tina is still missing and Shirley is wanting to know where she could be. So she's ringing round. 
Gray's not happy about that. Remember, who cares? She's missing. Just drop it. Yeah, no. just drop it. She said she's guilty. She said she's guilty. I don't care if she's your sister. So Mick comes and picks Shirley up and he says um, that they're, they're off to the police station. And he's like, I could think of better mother and son days out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's not an ideal mother and son day out. Went down to the neck. But I was like, well, it depends on which mother and son you are. I'm sure for Phil and Peggy, that was like an every other weekend. That was thing. all the time there. Yeah. And Grant, she was just used to it. They were loving, they were having their meals down there and everything. Go <laughs> down every now and again. Like, <laughs> do wonderful sausage sandwiches in that canteen. <laughs> Shirley tells Mick and Linda about the text as well and says, well, it's just something not right about it. Linda has an idea. After telling Max he means nothing to her, she wants him to stay away from her. Oh, she needs his help now. So you know that <laughs> you know that award you buried with your fingerprints on and my fingerprints on. Well, that'll prove that it wasn't Tina, but we might go down for it. So if you could just show them that, and then Tina'll get off, and he's like, "I'm not going to prison for Tina." <laughs> yeah, I was a bit like, Linda, you will go to jail. You <laughs> <laughs> will go to jail. Tina might be free. Of that charge, but she's dead. So it's not really going to help her now. I know you don't know that, but you will just go to jail and you have a child (laughs) to look after. I did, I have to say, wasn't a fan of Max in that pub. We we stand Max, yeah. We love Max. But when he said those things to Linda the day before, I was a bit like, "Mm, hmm, I don't like the way you're talking here, Max. He said, he gave her her space. He let her play the loving wife. She was his. Oh, no. Uh, I don't like those, those words. No. I don't like the way that that sounds, Max. You don't get to tell her what to do. Well, just like Kim, I don't feel like I've had my full nine hours last night. I, I'm still tired. And I, I probably did actually have my full nine hours. I'm thinking about it, and I'm still tired. <laughs> it's lockdown, Emma. It's what it does to you. It makes you just want to stay in bed all day but at least i don't have to get my head around this story which is the story that denise was telling kim after she hadn't had a full night's sleep so lucas is saying that patty got phil to get a gang to beat him up (laughs) i love it because she goes so let me get this straight your serial killer ex says that your gangster baby daddy got asked by patty to get a gang to beat him up. And I was just like, what a line. What a line to open a scene with. That was so good. It was so funny. It was so Kim. Yeah. I've missed like, Kim. So glad she's back. Yeah, me too. Like, you know when you miss someone, but you don't like actually know you miss them? Like, I feel like her just being here has just brought a little bit more comedy to the square. We love, love a good laugh. Oh, yes. And whilst they're discussing this, Whilst they're discussing this very complex, complex thing. Cherie sneaks out, doesn't she? She's, it looks like she's up to no good. She's, she's off. She's like, oh, she's doing a rainy. She's no one really was running away, but she was scared to be found out that she didn't beat Ian. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, that was what she was like. She's like, oh, put her coat up. I love how she didn't go far. She went to Ruby's Cafe slash bar. Yeah, oh, that's true. She did. Yeah, I forgot she did a little stop there as well. She did a stop there nice. and then the next time it was the salon. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, it's nice. You have to have a drink first before you cut people's hair. Where was she staying? Because she clearly, like, must have stayed over in the salon because the, the cafe and that was the, the day before and then the next day... That's so true! <laughs> <laughs> she's still missing, but why did they not go... How how about we go into work and check if she's there? No uh, one went. Oh, let's let's head over to the salon and see if Cherie's there. No, they couldn't be bothered. In fact, Kim started speculating, and I loved it because it was kind of a throwback to when we all used to speculate that, like, you know, Cherie's mom was actually like a murderer, and I still oh. sort of think she is. But like, you know, um, back to that time because. The kid was like, she's out, she's stalking a care home for our next victim. I said, <laughs> In reality, she was just drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's like you say, it's Ruby's bar like 24 hours. Did she just stay there all night? Well, I don't know. Because she says that um, she's absolutely horrified by the prices at Ruby's and she's going to be bankrupt if she has to keep drinking there. So That explains why Ruby's bankrupt. Say she's probably buying too much of our old merch. <laughs> she's always making herself making herself a drink. It's Ruby. She just steals half of that flipping stock. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say because I don't think we'll fit it in anywhere. But I need to bring it up, and we're talking about it now. Yeah. Did you just love when Martin said he wanted to go and see Bex, and she was like, "No, you can't." Yes, I love that bit. She was like, "No, you can't." Oh. That's interesting because you can't get the time off, and it's like. Oh, that's quite disturbing. <laughs> like, that's his daughter, and you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You'll stay here, Mark. But yeah, so Cherie's not going anywhere either. She's kind of just like lurking around the square, trying to avoid um, everyone and everything to do with Patty, basically, because she feels a mixture of guilt. And, and also, I think she's worried that she'll have to lose someone that she loves. And, you know, it's not it's not out of the, like, realm of normality for people to not want to say goodbye to people. I think she genuinely thought, I can't say goodbye to another man that I, I'm in love with. Like, she's already lost one husband. Um, but uh, Kim doesn't do that sort of thing. She doesn't rationalise that sort of thing. She's like, Lucas has killed her. <laughs> Lucas has killed her. I'm like, well, I know me and I call him a serial killer and everything and are convinced that he's not reformed at all. But I'm not sure that he would literally just kill her in broad daylight. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's the way Isaac walks in as that's happening. So they have to explain like the whole of Lucas's history to to him. And it's like, oh, Isaac, just go and watch a couple of the episodes. I know. Come on, Isaac. There's a special on it as well. You can always just watch that. <laughs> East End has revealed. It's still on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Isaac offers to help because he's seen the struggle and the strain it's putting on his family. You know, Day and Kim. I love when he's like, I'm your family, Day. I'm like, oh. And he even calls Patty's dad. Oh, no. That scene, it like broke me heart a little. Like, I've, when he's like, should you be in school? And then he's like, I'm taking a sickie. He's like, I'm not feeling very well. I've got a really bad migraine. Seriously, though, I was like, all the schools might all be shut. <laughs> all the schools might be shut. No, no, no. It's not. They're, they're not in a third lockdown over there. Okay. Well, for the, beating the virus. 
that's the reason why we have the rising cases. I swear it is warfare. It's because <laughs> they just refuse to obey the, the like the laws. <laughs> and so we cut to the next day. No explanation for where Sheree has been. Um, were you possibly not, just sleeping in the salon? Were you not shocked to see her and Lola at work? I was really shocked to see <laughs> Lola. I was like, Lola at work? What? Aye, well, you say that though. Um, but she also makes a point of when Jean comes in to get her eyebrows. Oh, yes. like She's like, I can't do anything with them. What? Uh-huh. It's always she's like, I can't do anything. And I'm like, all oh, right, no, so you're not really working then. Because uh, yeah. Cherie manages to sort it pretty yeah, quickly. It's, it's literally just lightening them. It's not like it's, you would have to like, right, that's it. Get the, I'd have to get a soldier iron out. I'd have to burn them off. <laughs> like, it's not like an ex, like a massive surgery. Like you're just lighting them. <laughs> well, Jean, it means we're going to have to take out that whole part of your eye and yeah, rebuild it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lola said it would take about four hours for us to remove remove that area, that bad tissue, and uh, and then I'd have to reconstruct. Obviously, that'll take a few days, maybe even a week. Um, and then we've got so- to tattoo your new one on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get the stem cells out Sheree get the stem cells out <laughs> it's just like so crazy isn't it no I can't do anything with them well you can't put a tiny amount of like a bleach product on her eyebrows to lighten them considering she'll do that with people's hair yes her <laughs> hair is clearly lightened but anyway Sheree's using all this to distract herself. She was like scrubbing every surface. And she was like, don't worry, Jean, I can I can see you. I can help with them eyebrows. Scrub, 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 scrub. My, my, my next appointment loves, loves it to be nice and clean. I'm like, well, I would in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> no, I was like, just your next one. <laughs> yeah, just your next one. Everyone else just smears, you know, mud across the windows. It's <laughs> like throwing garbage around. <laughs> I just love it that my next my next appointment loves it to be clean. I should hope so. That's not the next appointment. That's just the government guidelines, love. Well, what does she normally do? Just drop all the other person's hair back on the chair? Yeah, just leaves it there. Just leaves By it. By the edge, you're sat on like a mountain of hair. <laughs> oh, it's dead comfy. That'll be the hair, yeah. We'll cushion it with real human hair. Well, she, she manages to sort out them eyes. And those eyebrows perfectly, doesn't she? You wouldn't even know that she had to remove the entire face and reconstruct it from scratch. I mean, they've constructed miracles with Jean. Absolute yeah. miracles. Those eyebrows are as good as new. You would never know what she's been through. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the Jean and Cherie friendship. That's going yeah. on. More of this, please. I loved it. It was so sweet to hear Jean talking about... Um, Daniel again. Oh, I know. And she was like, Daniel decided that he wasn't going to run anymore. He was going to just face his problem and be brave. And I was like, oh, gee, I love you. I love you. So Cherie, hearing her words, comes to her senses and she goes, she goes to see Patty. I mean, she doesn't see him. She still lurks outside the room, but she goes to see him. And that's the main thing, isn't it? Sees him through a window. Isaac tells them, doesn't he? He says, you're not a burden to to mum. You're not a burden to me. And Cherie's there to tell him they're going to, he must take his pills and they're going to have a long time together. Oh. 
know. So sweet. And then they get home, right? And I was confused because obviously Isaac and Sheree are sitting down talking about what Jean said and how that made Sheree realise. And then Isaac says, you can look past Patrick's health issues, but who's going to look past mine? So what's wrong with Isaac? Is it something to do with his headaches? Well, how interesting. I'm wondering, what is it? Is it... See, the the sceptic in me thinks it it's going to be something... Um, something to do with him sexually because obviously he has we all know he likes to have a bit bit of his a fun time with women he has quite regularly went on dates either that or it's like you said what if it is to do with headaches and it's something like an inoperable brain tumor or something Mm. up there because we've never touched upon it and the way he said that is that like the start of this storyline or Maybe we'll never know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other things that it could possibly be, but to me, it has to be something to do with relationships as well. It has to be something. Yeah, to do it with... was the way he said it because he said, "You can look past Patrick's health issues, but who is going to look past mine?" I guess we'll, we'll find out. If if not, it's an unsolved mystery of Walford. <laughs> I did love when um. Patrick returns home and Kim comes in with all those balloons and she's like, well, I guess I'll be taking my happiness elsewhere because Denise would prefer, just after Patrick's come out of hospital, to start an argument all about Lucas. Yeah, I'm not with Denise at the minute. I'm starting to be like, Denise, what are you thinking? He's just had a stroke. Relax, hon. I know you're worried, but then maybe you should move out of the house if you're then going to be that stressy. Because, oh, phone the police. Phone the police. Why is none of these people reporting this to the parole? <laughs> They're all just like, what should we do about Lucas? Well, he's already broken his parole. Yeah, I just love the way no one rings them. They're like, oh, what what shall we do? How can we keep Lucas away? I mean, there's, there's the obvious. Prison. But <laughs> I guess they have let a serial killer out. So maybe they'll be like, oh, come on. He's trying. He's trying. Ah, he's trying. You Kathy's know, over there. <laughs> everyone else has forgiven him. You can too. <laughs> Come on, Peter. He looks up to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all that again. <laughs> well, Denise decides she knows exactly who to blame for this stroke. It's not her bringing all this stress to Batty's door when he's very old and has just recovered from COVID. No. It's Phil. So she charges over at home, doesn't she? I love when she just comes up and attacks Phil. It's like one of my favourite things. She comes <laughs> over, just starts attacking him. Phil doesn't even care. Nah. Like Phil's, <laughs> Phil just stands there and takes it every single time that Denise gives him it. I love and Phil and Denise. They make me laugh. They're so funny. And then Phil's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I just sat down and warned him off. And then she's like, what? He was like, well, I do have a right to see my son, you know. I was like, yes, of course he, he does. does. So the next bit, we get help from Copper Jack. He's back at it. He's a copper and he's saying, well, Lucas has many enemies and uh, he's got to stay away. But Chelsea's trying not to be suspicious because she's going to get a phone call shortly. Mm. I love it because 
even like Denise even convinces Lucas and they're both like yeah maybe I should go maybe I should leave you and she's like no dad you have to stay really it's not because she loves her dad it's because she wants him to like do something criminal <laughs> and she's like I need someone who could just take the fall who I'll not care about <laughs> stay dad please I love the way they're like um Lucas has many enemies many enemies on the square perhaps but further afield I'm not sure like who is he like where does his like infamy to other people come in we've never really seen him outside the square have we no (laughs) so it was a bit like yes definitely has lots of enemies here I would expect people to be attacking him here which they don't but I would expect people to be attacking him here that's true like yeah they just don't care it's because Kathy's like Oh, he's trying. trying. He's trying. Peter's like, what are you talking about? And she just goes, you freak. <laughs> Stacey's like, why is everyone so happy to see Lucas here? <gasps> She's awake. She's awake. First she questioned Grey. Now she hates Lucas. He's trying, you know. <laughs> really, the only two people who are even conscious in this square anymore are Peter and Stacey. <laughs> the rest are all under some sort of mind control. <laughs> So Chelsea then gets this phone call from this voice I can only describe as like if someone had to put on a fake Cockney accent. I thought accent. it was Finny Jones. <laughs> I thought it was Finny Jones. I was like, flipping heck, Finny's on his standards. It's the way he was talking like this. So I was like, what? You get me? <laughs> But he also had a bit of a husky voice. Like, it was... Was it really fan fiction, Kathy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it was me. It must be threatening. <laughs> it was me. I was the voice. <laughs> it's the way they've done the voice. So it was like, you know when you get those, like, on comedies where they've, they've done something uh, wrong and they get that funny call? Yes, It yes. felt all a bit like that, but it did remind me of... I've seen the videos. <laughs> I'm not impressed. <laughs> I mean, I half expected that to go, you've seen the videos. <laughs> and then like, it just go, do, 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 Still don't know who that Irishman was. No. He literally walked in and goes, I've seen the videos you sent Frankie. <laughs> and we still don't know. It we was still it? don't know who he is. Why did he have Frankie's phone? I don't know. And I'm not impressed. And neither is she. I just love it. I didn't like the tone of it. I didn't like it at all. It's just like, who was that man? I think he should be made into a star. I think he already is a star. <laughs> it's a scene I'll never forget. Three weeks. I don't want to die later. Yeah, it's like, not a die later. It's, pro- it's like the proper fake cockney. It was like, the way he spoke was as if you, like, his words like attacked were. It was like, I liar. Out of nowhere, his tone just instantly shifts to like explosion. And why was it like it was coming from, like, in my room? It wasn't coming yeah, like, from the uh... phone. Yeah. It was like, they've not done that over the phone. They've just added that later. A bit like, <laughs> breakfast <laughs> is important. <laughs> that was everything still. <laughs> Our hero this week, or should I say heroes again? Oh, Jean and Shirley. Yay! I mean, these two delivered this week. Delivered the Oscar-winning 
performances. In their scenes this week, like Jean doing a little speech to the camera and Shirley and Mick, they were just so powerful this week. Yeah, so powerful. Oh, slapping Dan. This week is Katie Lewis. And she got a good slapping down this week, didn't she? She did off our Shirl. Slipping Another heck, reason. Slapping down and a half. Another reason Shirl was a uh, hero of the week. Yeah. As our heroes were Jean and Shirley, I'll be rating out of Jean's and Connor will be rating out of Shirley's. And I'm going to give this week 4.5 Jean's. And I think I'll give 4.5 Shirley's. Because as much as I rant about Ash, as much as I ranted about all the others, <laughs> I love them for that reason. They provided me with the drama and the tea. I was in my element this week. I know, that's what I love. It's like, even if I don't like the character or whatever, uh, they're bringing me something still. Like, yes. they're creating yes. some form of emotion. Yes, they're getting a reaction out. Where yeah. They're creating things for us to make jokes about or, or discuss. Like, again, I said it last week, you know, to come off the back of Christmas and you, yeah, normally this is when stories sort pitter out a bit um, and take a while to pick back up. They're killing it this this week. I thought we got more depth to Dottie. We got some fantastic scenes with Jean and Shirley. We had the drama. We had the comedy. We had everything. And we've got a lot of scenes we didn't expect to see. So we got uh, Suki and Peter. I know, I know, I've brought up again. I know, I know. Do you want to say how well I use this (laughs) mouth? (laughs) And also, I didn't expect Shirley to walk in when Mick was confronting Katie. That was such a good moment. Katie's face, the fear... The fear. Oh, and that's why this week is 4.5. So now it's time to play Beal or No Beal. It's one of our favourites here. Emma loves it especially. And it's basically where I test Emma's E20. EastEnders, no. You know, I, I like to, to see if she can really remember those obscure lines by the Beal family. I love this game. I'm so excited. So all you have to do, Emma, the rules are simple. The game is very easy. You just have to tell me, after I read out a quote, whether it was said by a Beal or whether it was said by a no Beal. So on with the show. Yay! Your first quote, Emma. You always get a way of getting what you want, you spoiled brat. Beal or no Beal? Beal. Correct. It was Ian to yeah. Denny right before he <laughs> locked him in that room and caused all of the storyline we currently have. <laughs> Quote number two. At least everyone cares enough to hate me. No one cares about you. Beal. Correct, Emma. <laughs> to Tina, Quote wasn't number- it? It was Ian to Tina. That's right, yeah. It was when Tina basically says, everyone hates you. And then he goes, well, at least everyone feels enough to hate me. (laughs) 
On to your next quote, Emma. Quote number three. As if she's going to look at you. You sell battered sausages for a living. Beal or no Beal? No Beal? Correct. It was Denny to Ian right before he gets locked in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is going to be a tricky one for you, Emma. Ooh. Quote number four. Michael Carter. Oh, wait. I have to do in the correct, correct accent for you. Michael Carter! Beal or no Beal? No Beal. Can I get a bonus point and say it's you? <laughs> <laughs> it's you're correct, Emma. It's me trying to be Katie Lewis and feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Quote number five. Help! Help! No! No! Beal or no Beal? No Beal? Oh, I'm afraid, Emma. It was Ian Beal whilst he was being strangled by Max with some Christmas lights. Merry Christmas. Fun times. Quote number six. He called his mum. Didn't he? Beal or no Beal? Beal. Correct. It's when Ian... Figures out that Jane is just covering up for Bobby. For killing Peter's twin sister! (laughs) How dare you be angry, the freak? How dare you? (laughs) He's not one of us. He's not one of us. Your next quote, Emma? They're here. Beal or no Beal? Ooh. I'm just going to say Beal. Correct! It was! It was Ian Beale at the Christmas event, you know, with East 17 and the fire stuff. And he realises that his attempted murderer is in the square. Well, no, Ian. Of course they are. It was someone who personally had a grudge with you. It's not going to be sucky flipping hitman from Russia, is it? I still love that this week he was like, Tina's on the loose. Tina of all people. She's like Voldemort or like, you know, Sirius Black. (laughs) It was her headmaster in the castle. (laughs) Tina Carter. (laughs) Little little Harry Potter reference there for everyone. (laughs) On to your next quote. You'll take him on after what he's done. Beal or no Beal? Beal? I mean, I'm afraid she's not a Beal. She might have wanted to be, but she wasn't. She was Tanya. Ah. And it was after finding out that Stace and Max were sleeping together again. On to your next one, Emma. Remember, you just have to get the majority. We're very oh, yes. majoritarian with the results. You've, you've, you're in the lead, Emma. Quote number nine. Do you want to see how well I use it? Beal or no Beal? That was no Beal, but it was too a Beal. <laughs> Do you care to to reference the scene at all, Emma? The situation, perhaps? I don't, I, no. <laughs> don't. Went any further detail? No. Would you like me to explain? No. Would you like me to no. draw? <laughs> <laughs> draw what happened? <laughs> no. No. I love how trauma, <laughs> traumatised Emma is <laughs> I just, I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like the Gemma Collins. Just don't want to talk about it. Just don't want to talk about 
don't know. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, why, would, correct, why, would, Emma. why would Peter do that to me? I know. Can you imagine leaving fanfiction, Emma, for Sugi? Terrible. So it was, as you said, no beal. It was Sugi offering herself to Peter. On to your last quote, Emma. Get this right. Well, it doesn't really matter because you've already won the majority. (laughs) If you get this right, it's a bonus. (laughs) There you go. Two sugars. That should perk you up a bit. (laughs) Beal or no beal? Well, technically, I guess now, a beal. Correct! (laughs) It was a trick question right at the end, Emma. I was hoping you'd be like, no beal, it was a what's. (laughs) It was Sharon Mitchell. (laughs) Well, Emma. Have I got a treat for you? You get to go party in the greatest place on it. The place that it's happening. The place that it's bouncing. The place where the phones never stop ringing. That's right. You're partied in the call centre. And not only that, Emma. Not only that. Peter's going to be there. And he's going to be preparing. This week's episode, you are entitled to compensation if you have been affected by the Peter and Suki scenes. Did you feel like hashtag pukey? Did you feel a little bit queasy and started questioning your existence? Or perhaps just wanting to tear your own eyes out? Well, I think you're entitled to compensation. So contact us at any of the numbers that are on your screen now. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.